Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you will use this city as a tool of witness in the lives of those who are struggling to live godly for you. I pray that it will bring deliverance and set the captive free. Lord, as it goes beyond the prison walls, the highway and byways, that it will compel those to come unto you. Lord, those that are struggling, that they'll begin to live victoriously. And Lord, when that race is over and it is all finished, Lord, they can come unto you and you will say, Well done, thy good and faithful servant. In Jesus' name. James, the second chapter, verse 13. I'm going to just read that one in part, and then I'll read the others, which will be 14 through 18. It says, so speak ye, and so do. Verse 14, what do it profit, my brethren, though a man say he have faith and have not works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, be warmed and filled. Notwithstanding, ye gave them not those things which are needful to the body. What doeth it profit? Even so faith, if it have not works, is dead being alone. Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. Eternal God, once again, we are grateful to be in the number one more time. We realize, Lord, had it not been for you on our side, we have no clue where we would be. So we come before you now boldly and say, thank you, Lord. Thank you for this day that you've made. And let us be found rejoicing and exceedingly glad in it. Now, Lord, your servant needs your anointing, for it is through your anointed word that yokes, fetters, and chains are broken. And if there's anyone that's sitting in this Lord place today that has never repented of their sins, nor been Lord baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus for the remission of sins, and they've never experienced being filled with the Holy Ghost, Lord, let this day be that day for them. And when everything is said and done, we'll remember to give you the glory, the honor, and all of the praise that everyone say in Jesus' name. I want to leave in your hearing this thought. Don't just talk about it, be about it. I know that that phrase is ringing in some people's minds. I don't know, maybe you're an NBA fan and you were there uh, watching them on the bubble and as it was all winding down and they won the game and now they're now the new champions. Uh, one of the interviews was given and, and I'll never forget, it was something said in that interview that caught my attention and it was the phrase, don't just talk about it, be about it. Now, I said, you know, that not only will preach, but that's something that we as Christians need to be doing. People are talking loud, but saying nothing. Don't just talk about it, be about it. As we've heard, faith without works is, talk back to the preacher now. Faith is vital for God's people. Having faith means taking God at his word and accepting, accepting what he says as truth. It's the truth and nothing but the truth. Faith to a Christian is what a foundation is to a house. It's everything. And so it is with the believer. It's who we are. It's what we do. It's 
everything. In Hebrews 11 and 6, the Bible says, but without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. But then I looked at it from the Amplified Bible, and it reads this way. But without faith, it is impossible to walk with God, please and be satisfactory to him. For whoever comes near to God must necessarily believe that God, that God exists and that he is a rewarder of those who earnestly and diligently seek him. Now, as we look at our, our text in James, we find that he speaks very openly about faith in which believers should not just only talk about it, but demonstrate it in living out their faith before those in whom we work around and live in this present world with. To further bring context to our text, he spotlights two individuals in the Bible. In other words, he gives us two biblical accounts. One is Abraham and the other is Rahab. And yes, sir, by the way, both of them are mentioned in the roll call of faith found in the book of Hebrews, the 11th chapter. These two individuals are, it seems like, from one end to the other, as far as the east is from the west. Their names are both found in that they did something. They didn't just talk about it. They became it. They did it. Heroes are those people who have endured life's miseries, hopelessly plodding along in life, having faith in God and assurance in his promises that they will come to pass. Somebody shout it will come to pass. I, I don't know how long you've been waiting, but if you're waiting on God, it shall come to pass. It tells us to wait on the Lord and be of good courage and the Lord shall strengthen thy heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. You see, the heroes of faith believed and obeyed regardless of the consequences. Sometimes, my brothers and sisters, I'm telling you there are consequences about living holy in an unholy world. There are people that will look at you and call you peculiar. And guess what? They're right because we are peculiar people when you live for God. And, and these heroes of faith, they stood steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord because they understood that having faith means I believe in such, my conviction is such that regardless of the consequences, I'm going to stand steadfast. And in the same way, we can believe with a willing trust and please God also. It wasn't just for them. It's for us today. Our steadfast confidence is based upon who God is. Anybody know who he is? He's the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning, and the end. He's the first and the last. He's El Shaddai. It is because he is the creator of the universe. God will recognize and reward our faith because we diligently seek him. Remember we said that in Hebrews. By faith, we realize our insufficiency. I know, sir, man, you, you feel you got it all together. Hair is just right. I don't have to worry about that problem no more. Uh, you know, everything is where it should be. Got some money in the bank. Got a good job. Got the kids, the wifey. Even with all of that, there can be insufficiencies in our life. Our own insufficiency. Because, see, we don't like to be real. There, there's some things that you're dealing with right now 
There's some situations right now that you are wrestling with, you're struggling with. There's some insufficiencies in your life and you're saying, Lord, help me. There are own insufficiencies and it causes us to now to depend on God to work within us and through us. How many know God wants to work in you and through you? He can take nothing and make something out of it. I said this and this is no throwing shade on anybody. But see, you don't know my story. <laughs> you don't know where I came from. See, where I came from, he could take a whorelet like Rahab and make her the mother of the church. <laughs> oh, y'all got real quiet there. But I'm saying to you what God says that I can take your insufficiencies if you allow me. And I can work through you and in you bring out greatness. By faith, we have confident trust in the continual promises of God. I'm going to tell you, in case you didn't know, God is a promise keeper. I, I know somebody right now, you're questioning me in your spirit. So, so let me answer your spirit. How do you know? Time, you see a rainbow in the sky. You know what that says? God is a promise keeper. Because don't forget, when he destroyed the earth, he told Noah, I'll never destroy the earth again by water. He said, and to prove that we're in an agreement, in a covenant, I'm going to give you a bow. We call it a rainbow, but the scripture just says a bow in the sky. And he says, now, whenever you look up, whenever you get fearful, even in a pandemic, I want you to look up and see that rainbow. And remember, it's telling you, I'm a promise keeper. They're continual with our confident trust in the continual promises of God. Faith is the beginning of one's relationship with God. Do I have anybody in here that's working on your relationship with God? I want to encourage you, my brothers and sisters, have faith in God. In Hebrews 11 and 17, it says, by faith, Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac. And he that had received the promise offered up his only begotten son. You have to know this account. You, you go into Genesis and about the 12th chapter of Genesis, we find that this man by the name of Abraham is making this pilgrimage journey to a land he has never known before. His father Terah dies and he continues to move forward. But as he's moving forward, God meets him and God begins to speak to him. Now, now I want to say to you, uh, the, the word faith in the Greek is pestio, I think. That's how it's pronounced. And what that word means is just means faith. And, and don't forget the very first conversation that God has with this man by the name of Abraham. He's 75 years old, y'all. Now, I know how we would have did. We would have counted him out. We said the sun done went down. <laughs> just have a seat somewhere. But God says, mm -mm. at 75, I'm going to have a conversation with you. And I want you to receive what I'm going to say. And he said, I want you to leave your family your kindred, and go to a land in which I will show you. He hadn't shown it to him yet. See, he, he hadn't revealed it to him. But while we find that God is pleased with this man by the name of Abraham, it's because Abraham had faith in God, in the word of God. I, I wish somebody would just stand upon the word of God. You know, the, the, the Sunday school teachers, they sing this song and teach our little children the B-I-B-L-E, the B-I-B-L-E, that's the book for me. I stand upon the word of God, the B-I-B-L-E, Bible. He just heard a word from God and he stood on it. And you know, 
the point I'm trying to make is when he promised him this, he was not circumcised. And, and you understand what circumcision was. It was a Jewish writ. It was a work. Remember, faith, faith without works is dead. Now, he, Paul wanted to make sure, don't get it twisted. This was not a work. He, had, he didn't need to do anything but have faith in God. While he was yet an uncircumcised Gentile, God made a commitment to him. He said, wherever you go, wherever you put your foot on, all that land is going to be yours. I'm going to make you a blessing. Whoever will bless you will be blessed. Whoever curses you will be cursed. And the significant thing is he was still uncircumcised. It wasn't about works, y'all, in this situation. It was about his faith lining up with his works, which we are finding out now in this account. And let me go back to verse 18. Of whom it was said that in Isaac shall thy seed be called. He promised him a seed, a child. He was 100 years old when that took place. That was a conversation that took place 25 years ago. And see, some of y'all don't realize about prophecy. How do we know when prophecy is the authentic, the real deal when it comes to? That's how you know when it comes to pass. It doesn't say it's coming to pass the next day or the next week or the next month, but it will come to pass. If God said it, that settles it, whether you believe it or not. I'm telling you right now, if God told you to hook up a, mos a mosquito to a freight train and the mosquito was going to pull it, you better put your money on that mosquito. If God said it's going to happen, Abraham believed God. 25 years took a while. The Bible says that Sarah's past the years of her flower where she will give a child. In other words, her womb was dead. Nothing coming out of that. But watch what faith will do. See, faith without works is don't just talk about it. Come on. You got to be about what you're saying. God imputed that to him for righteousness. Why? He will show his faith in God. The Bible says in verse 19, accounting that God was able. Somebody shout he's able. I don't want y'all to say that no more if y'all don't believe it. Is he able? Is he able to do it? It says, accounting that God was able. He's able to do above exceedingly abundantly all that we could ask or think according to the power, wait for it now, that worketh within us. Did you know you have dudamous power lying within you when you are filled with the precious gift of the Holy Ghost? When God's Holy Spirit is in you, you got power to tread upon serpents. He accounted that God was able to raise him up, even from the dead. Remember I told you? Sarah's womb was shot. It was gone. It was dead. It was past that season. But he believed that he could raise him up from the dead, from whence also he received him in a figure. In other words, that's how this whole promise got started. Sarah had passed that time. I I'm going to tell you, the devil hates when we as saints up in a corner. Everything around us is caving in. And you standing there flat-footed saying, I still believe God. Yeah, they, they gave you the pink slip, but I still believe God. They, they take your house in foreclosure, but you still stand and say, I believe God. They say you'll never amount to anything, but you stand there and you say, I still believe God. Abraham had the ultimate test in the 22nd chapter of Genesis, and, and you read that account, but God once again talks to him. After 25 years, he brings it to pass. He gives him 
his pride and joy, if you allow me to use that expression. Isaac, his son. <laughs> well, I believe they did everything together. If it was modern day, they probably would be playing some video games together. I don't know, it's my imagination. But, but they did everything together. And then God says, Abraham, Abraham, yes, Lord, here am I. He said, now what I want you to do is take your son Isaac, your only son. And I want you to take him, and I want you to offer him up as a sacrifice on one of these mountains that I, I'll tell you, Moriah. The Bible said that Abraham got up early the next morning. You know how some of us would have done it. We would have been dragging. We had been agonizing. Oh, no, I can't believe I got to do that. I mean, we'd have made that clock just... But the Bible said he got up early in the morning, and guess what he did? He took his son. The Bible said he took his son and two other men. It was a three-day journey, and I know I said this once, but it really truly is worth reiterating. He had three whole days to contemplate what God had said he would need to do. Three whole days to visualize. This is going to be it. Took this son and began to go, and as they got closer, he told the other two servants, I want y'all to stay here while me and the lad go yonder, and we'll be back. Somebody say faith. I don't care what you say, that's faith all day long. <laughs> you know what the assignment is. You know what the mission is. Your mission is to lay him on that altar, take a knife and plunge it into him. But you're going to tell them, stay here, me and the lad, we're going to return. That's why God imputed that into him, because he understood that he was going to do all what he needed to do in reference to fulfilling what God said to him. So <laughs> the two men stay there. He puts the firewood on the sun. He has the knife. And he has the torch. So they're walking. They, this, I, I believe the son understood, you know, my, my, my dad, dad did this millions of times. I don't know. I'm just saying. Hey, dad, you notice we got the wood? <laughs> we got the fire and the knife? Dad, I know you're getting up in age, but you think you forgot something? He said, where's the sacrifice? Dad, dad, where's the sacrifice? Can you imagine? You know the answer. You know without a shadow of a doubt what the answer to the question is. But I love what Abraham says. My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they both went on together. He said, God, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> God will provide himself. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And that same word wrapped in flesh, and we knew him in the person of Jesus Christ. He would come down through 40 and two generations to not only be the sacrifice then, but become the sacrifice for us today. Now, I know some of y'all feel that y'all don't need a savior. I, I heard some very important person that lives in the White House said that he don't need one. And I'm saying to myself, the devil is a liar. We all need the savior. He says that to his son. But then if you look at the next verse, the Bible says he takes his son he lays the wood on the altar, and he binds his son, ties him up just by a show of hands. How many of you think that that was easy to do? But there's nothing in the scripture that says it wasn't from a physical standpoint. Don't forget now, he, he's old. He's an old man. And Isaac is a young whippersnapper, strapping, chiseled out. Probably pump irons all at night. But anyway, he's strong. But there's nothing in the scripture that alludes from that standpoint that it was hard. We don't see where he said, oh, no, no, you ain't going to do. Mm -mm. He was the epitome of what Jesus would be for us. A lamb slain, no resistance. 
He lays him on the altar. As he's preparing to kill him, a voice comes out and says, Abraham. Abraham. Aren't y'all glad that God knows our name? I'm telling you, he knows your name. In the midst of what you're going through, learn to tune out the world. Cut your cell off. Cut the TV off. And I double dog dare you to sit there in silence. You know you're going through something. You know you're struggling. But if you would just begin to say, Lord, speak to my heart. If you would just say, Lord, here I am. And you would be shocked to hear a still small voice call your name. He said, Abraham, Abraham. And when he called his name, he said, lay not thy hand upon the lad, neither do anything to him. For now I know that thou fearest God. Now, I think if we look at this, you do know that God is omniscient, omnipresent, and omnipotent. He knows everything. He knew the outcome of this. But what it, it would be better interpreted, I just wanted you to see where you were. I wanted you to see that when you have your back against the wall, when it seems like there's no way out, when the Red Sea is in front of you, mountains on both sides, and Pharaoh's army in the back, you know that I am the deliverer. I'll bring you out. And the Bible says, he looked over and there was a ram caught in the thick and that became the sacks. The two people that he spotlighted was Abraham because of his faith and Rahab. And you know the story of Rahab. The Bible says that Joshua sent two spies into Jericho. He said, I want you to go out and I want you to do a reconnaissance. I want you to tell me what is the, the climate in that city. And when you go into that and you can find it in Joshua, the second uh, first chapter, when you get a chance, just read through it. But I'm just paraphrasing. And he says, now, now I want you to go and I want you to survey the land and I want you to find out what the pulse is. Well, what's the buzz in the air? What people are talking about? And so they went. And when they went, unfortunately, somebody recognized that they were in town. And so the king sent for Rahab. And he says, now, listen, I know there are two men that came in and you know where they are. Tell me where they are. And you know what the account says. She says, the, well, yes, there were two men and they came in. But at night before the gate closed, they went out. And so if you leave right now, you can track them down and catch them. But in reality, what she did was she had the two men and she said, listen, let me tell you, we already know about y'all. We already heard about your God, how he dried up the Red Sea. And y'all walked across on dry land. We heard about how he allowed you to conquer nations and countries. And now you're here. And the people, their hearts are melted. They're scared. That's all they needed to know. <laughs> Man, this is going to be a piece of cake. And she said, but promise me something. Me, my household, my father, my family, that no harm will come to us. And they made him a promise. They made her a promise and said, oh, yes, we will. She said, I tell you what, when the gate is about to close, I'm going to give you this scarlet rope, and I want you to climb down, go outside the gate, and I want y'all to go and stay three days into this mountain area. When they pass, then you go. And she said, but don't, whatever you do, don't forget us. And when you go back to this account, you'll find out they went and reported to Joshua. Josh, man, this is going to be easy. They already scared. He said, well, we're going to go. And you know the account of Jericho, what happened. Everybody in Jericho dies except one family, family of a whorling. God knows how to use people. You follow the genealogy of Jesus Christ, and you're going to find Rahab. What am I saying to you today? Don't just talk about it. Be about it. I'm telling you, people, th this is prime time for the church. Uh, unfortunately, uh, for whatever reason, yes, there are churches. They, they're not 
in person to person, and I'm not throwing shade, not knocking. But I'm telling you, people still need to know the Lord. People still need to hear the truth, the unadulterated word of truth. People still need to know that God is still performing miracles. People still need to know even in a pandemic, God is able to deliver. And I'm saying all that to say that we are here and God needs the church to step up. And don't just talk about it, be about it. People are tired of hearing sermons. They want to see one lived out. They want to see one demonstrated. You talk about being saved, sir, what does that look like? And you know what you should be able to say, sir and ma'am, this is what it looks like, like this. 24-7, 365 days a year. If it's a leap year, that's right, add that day on it, that you're going to live holy for God. See, people need to know, not what you know, but that you care. People are dying, and some are dying without hope. Thank you, Father. I got to give you thanks. Because, Lord, everything that you have done, I didn't look at it now. I thank you, Lord, for the release of every chain. Everywhere I go, God, I got to give you praise. Because you have heard my cry. We have been smothered by the grace of God, and it has brought us joy. Therefore, Lord, we was able to make a joyful noise in this city. We have learned to forgive, and with that in mind, God, I just can't stop praising you. In the name of Jesus, we give you praise.